Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink. And some say he would have been in the Avengers if he didn't have an allergy to Lycra. It's Mark Searby. Oh, I don't have an allergy to Lycra. That's a Friday oh. night thing. Oh. That's, a, that's a every Friday for me, that is, Lycra. Yeah. Spandex oh, okay. as well. Spandex, oh, fair enough. you know. <laughs> fair enough. So so why didn't they let you in the Avengers? Is that a sore point? Yeah, let's not bring it up. <laughs> let's not bring it up. But, you know, some of the coolest yeah, okay. people were not in the Avengers as well, let's remember. So, you know. Um, well, yes, is it? I didn't get the invites. So exactly. Fair enough, exactly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thought they had it covered. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's out. fine. It's fine. If we're not in the Avengers, no worries. It's not a problem at all. Yeah, it's okay. Just wear your lycra in other places. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sibby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, obviously, we are, I mean, we were mentioning there, Lycra and Avengers and whatever else. We are going to talk about a film that is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a moment, but we're coming up to Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. I should get you some flowers. You should, don't, uh, yeah. Sorry. Don't, you're not meant to say it. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh okay. I mean, yeah, so, sorry. you know, cynical hat on a little bit. Um we could have done any number of romantic comedies this week. Any number of coming them. out. They're all just out. in time. They're all out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, when should we release this romantic comedy? I know we'll release it uh, February, just before uh, Valentine's Day. No, everybody else is doing that as well. So don't don't do that. You know. So um, you're not going to be pushed for romantic options. This year. Yeah, no, certainly not. And I have to say that I did see quite a few of them because I was thinking, well, which one are we going to do? You know, what should we do? So I've chosen the best, I think. Excellent. Yes. And the best is I Want You Back. I'm instantly picturing, is it the Backstreet Boys? Or uh, take that, I can't remember which one it is. No, unfortunately, it's not that. So I Want You Back. Is actually streaming on Prime Video. Um, it's not going to cinemas. It's uh-huh. it's about newly dumped 30-somethings Peter and Emma who team up to sabotage their ex's new relationships and win them back for good. Seems legit. There we oh, go. What's wrong with that? There we go. Yeah. You see? <laughs> um, it's funny as well because, you know, having been watching these rom-coms uh, over the past week or so, I am kind of reminded that there is a whole subgenre of rom-coms that are a little more downbeat, shall we say, you know, a little more sarcastic rather than the flowery, big budget, isn't love grand type romantic comedies that, you know, do seem to get the big pushes, okay? Ultra cheesy. Yes, the ones that focus on the losers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the more realistic, honest rom-coms, as you said, the ones that focus maybe a little bit more on the losers or, 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 you know, they, realistic people. Yeah. They never really (laughs) break out because, and I'm going off some guesswork here, to be honest with you, uh, is that I think a lot of people who watch rom-coms just want to see the sugary sweet type ones, not the ones that have real world situations as main plot points. You know, um, yeah. So with something like "I Want You Back," it is a rom com, but it has more than a touch of it being a very real world situation. And also, whisper it: 
it gets a bit stalkerish. I've got to be honest, like at the yeah, back of my no. mind, oh. I was watching it thinking, <laughs> oh, this, this feels a bit strong. But hey, look, okay, right. So, you know, I mean, that could be seen as problematic, but you know, let's gloss over that because we, <laughs> we could be here a long time talking about rom-coms that could be seen as problematic, you know, right at the, <laughs> yeah. right at the top of them, Notting Hill, really, to be honest. But look, let's move away from that. So, yeah, did have a problem, really. Yeah, so I'll say this, look, <laughs> put that at the back of my mind. I kind of was won over by this film because it is a rather smart and genuinely funny and at times heartfelt um, movie. It, you know, look, it's not reinventing the wheel or anything else like that, but there is some really nice touches in here, especially between the two central characters, uh, Peter and Emma, because they are both lost without their other halves. They, they, they just can't move on, even though both of them freely admit that they were stuck in a rut with their other halves. Um, I think the film is at its best when these two are just hanging out, doing bits, you know, plotting and scheming and just enjoying each other's company, to be honest with you. You know, it's it's two dumped people, two losers in love, um, actually wallowing in that, but also finding solace in each other as well. That's the thing. There are yeah. plenty of funny moments in the movie, um, including Peter trying to, uh, get buff in the gym so that he can be as muscly as Emma's ex-boyfriend, who is the gym instructor. Uh, <laughs> there is another sequence, but I can't say that because we're, we're on air. It's a little bit too adult, I've got to be honest. Um, and, oh, okay. You know, I think part of the reason that this film works is because of Charlie Day and Jenny Slate, who have some very nice and natural chemistry together. You know, they're, they're naturally funny people. Let's be honest here. You know, I think Charlie Day is great in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I thought Jenny Slate was yeah. great in that sort of secondary role in Parks and Recreation. And then she was absolutely brilliant in Obvious Child. If you haven't seen Obvious Child, do seek that film out. It's really good. The thing is, though, yeah. they are usually cast as the funny sidekick, you know, uh, yeah. They're never the lead. They've got to carry the weight between the two of them. Yeah. However, this movie puts both of them as the leads. And I think both of them are great at it. It shows that they can do it. That's the thing. They are slightly kooky, yes. But that's what I loved about them working together. Because sometimes if you've got two actors who are doing the same sort of thing, it, it just cancels each other out and it, it doesn't work. I thought it worked nicely here because Charlie Day still got that hyperactive man child type thing. And Jenny Slate has got that sort of, um, you know, not, it's not fully grown up, but at the same time, there's a, there is a human aspect to her and she understands love a bit more than, than Charlie Day's character. I just thought they worked really well here, to be honest with you. And I think the film does rely on the two actors being at their best. And when you do have two naturally funny people like Charlie Day and Jenny Slate doing their thing, you get some great material like in this movie. I mean, it's not the best rom-com at all by a long stretch. However, there are some enjoyable moments in this. You know, it's it's a better movie than anybody expects, me included. You know, I saw the trailer and thought, great, Charlie Day, Jenny Slate, yes, I'm totally in. Thank you very much. But yeah. are we seeing the funniest things in the trailer, which is normally the way? And the answer is, happen. no, we're not. There are some really funny things in the movie. There's also some genuinely heartfelt things in the movie. So oh. a better film than I expected. I've got to be honest. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer and felt the same. It looked like a lot of laughs. Um, yeah. But then uh, you're always a bit suspicious when that happens. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. You kind of think, have they edited this very well? And the rest of it is just yeah. a plodding mess of self-wallowing. Um, but the answer is no, it's not. You know, oh, um, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. So you wanted it back and it was, uh, if you did want to watch it again, where, where do you go? Uh, so it's on Prime Video. It's streaming exclusively on Prime Video. Ah, so you can have a date night in. Yes, yes. Valentine's Day and watch this. Marvellous. Excellent. Uh, what else you got for us, Mark? So on DVD, Blu-ray and also on Disney+, Plus, Eternals, which is the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, it is the story of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Now... Uh, yeah, seems legit. so this this is moving away from the characters that we've always known, etc. You know, Iron Man, Thor, blah blah blah, Captain America, and, and this is Marvel trying to do something a bit more adult. Okay, and this is the weird thing about this movie is that it's strange to say a Marvel movie isn't very colourful because okay, Marvel movies do use the same colour palette each time, red, blue, green, um, but. Eternals has done away with all of that and made a film almost devoid of colour. It's washed out. And I don't think it's washed out in a very good way either. I do think this is down to Marvel trying to do something radically different. But should it look like this? I don't think it should. But here's the thing. I mean, the main issue is that this film feels like a number of different solo character movies all compressed into one big Avengers-style ensemble. It's... It is written so absolutely every single character gets this big story arc and every single important moment is spent ages on explaining what it all means to the Eternals and to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. The problem is it's so jam-packed with stuff. You know, there are new characters and from the off, we're meant to be able to keep up with every single one of them as to what their powers are and where they fit into the stories. It gets messy. And it is way, way, way overwritten. There's so much going on that I think it is tough to follow. Also, I've got to say this as well, because, you know, Marvel made a big deal of this in that this is the first movie that's going to have a sex scene in it. And also it's the first Marvel movie that is going to have a a gay couple in it as well. Honestly, both of them feel badly shoehorned in. Not organic at all. It's, yes. it's badly done. <laughs> It's quickly done as well, as if to say, we've done it, quick, move on. Right, that's it. You've seen it done. Right, that's it. You know, I mean, the moments, you you know, for years, we've cried out for diversity in Marvel movies. And finally, when we get it, it's done in a blink of an eye and it's gone. And Marvel can say, we did this. And everybody will go around and say, did you? I don't remember it. Because it literally is maybe 30 seconds, if that. So, you know, there's a diversity problem in this movie. Not with the cast. I will say that. You know, the cast is is pretty good. Um, Apart from they're all not used very well. Angelina Jolie is underused. Salma Hayek is hardly in it. Kumail Nanjiani, who I think is a very funny guy is meant to be the comedic character in it i didn't laugh once at him you know the rest of the cast are completely unmemorable apart from the big baddie and that's i only remember him because he looks like the iron giant as well and also and obviously i know that you've seen this Stuart. 
So we'll come to what you think in a moment. But also, I've got to say this, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, people with powers, special powers, are doing this hand-wavy thing that Doctor Strange does. So if you've seen Doctor Strange do the hand-wavy thing and he summons up yeah. the things and whatever... It's all—they're all, it it, no all doing it, aren't they? In the, in Eternals, they're all doing these wavy things, <laughs> and it pulls. And oh, here's a sword, or here's some big fists, or they've got this hand waves, quick hand waves, waves, waves. It was like watching them do Agadu every time they wanted <laughs> to get special powers. It's it just yeah. looked terrible, and quite low budget as well like the the cgi in this i thought was awful it really was you know i thought it was near laughable i mean you know i don't it's a shame when you see that many names in the credits and think that's what happened with all of those people yes and all of that money <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right that's the thing and you know it's directed by chloe czar who did no man uh, nomadland which i loved and now they've gone. Let's let's get a you know somebody from the indie world who's who's very hot at the moment and make her do a Marvel movie, and then it'll get us some uh, respect. It hasn't. It really hasn't. Honestly, this is this movie offers nothing to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe, even in its own storytelling. It, it lacks any interest. You know, if they didn't mention the Avengers twice in this movie, which by the way is shoehorned in really badly. Oh, you, painfully, yeah. You wouldn't have a clue. It's a Marvel movie. This is possibly, for me anyway, the most pointless Marvel movie I have seen. It, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I've, I, I really wanted to like this. Yes. <laughs> because I'm a big Marvel fan. Uh, and also but, because they're yeah. trying to do something different. Well... Yeah, but they, they kind of didn't, like you say, they didn't achieve it at all. <laughs> no, they didn't. They, they, you feel like you might as well have just gone for plan A, because plan B was never going to work. Yeah. Like they had so many characters, so much to squeeze in, such a deep, unbelievable storyline to it. Um, it was like, that was just, you know, they never sat down and put it all out in front of them on post-it notes and thought, yes, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it was never going to It's true, yeah. Film. They should have looked at that and gone... We're going to have to simplify this because we don't have the benefit of having uh, a solo movie for Angelina Jolie's character or a solo movie for Salma Hayek's character or, you know, any of the others um, yeah. like we did pre-Avengers where you got Iron Man, Captain America, etc. This is, here they all are. You've got to understand it. And you go, wait, what? What? What's going Why? on? Why are they talking to each other like that? Why are they making that look at each other? Like, there's all these relationships between these these group of characters that we don't. We don't get. I don't. I don't get. Yeah. It's like, why are they friends? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have explained this. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, and there's jokes at the expense, and you think I don't get that. Was I meant to get that? I don't. Oh, I don't think I did. I just. Yeah. You know, this is. I can see why it didn't do well when it hit the box office last year. I can see why it didn't do well because definitely it thinks it's more intelligent than what it is. And why, lastly, are we got to fly around in a slice of Toblerone? <laughs> and that, what is that about? <laughs> no, it's just one of life's many questions when you're watching Eternals. The, do you know, the only thing I came away from Eternals liking was the fact that I thought, hmm, Fuerteventura looks really good. I haven't been for years because that's where they filmed it. They filmed it on the island of Fuerteventura. And I was like, oh, right. oh, yeah. it looks really good. You know, I, 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 go there I might day. have to go back again at some point. But the rest of it, I just came away and went, that was utterly pointless. Utterly pointless. It really was. 
Um, to the eternal shame of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. I will say this, though. The the um, the mid-credit sequence and the post-credit sequence I thought was actually very good. Yeah, I don't know. By the end of all that, I just thought, I hope these guys never turn up again. Yeah, yes, yes. I completely agree with you. <laughs> and then they did the things at the end and I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Why didn't you have, why didn't you do this previous? Um, yeah. But yeah, the rest of it, I was kind of like, I don't need Eternals too. Too, too Eternals too much. You know, yeah, not not a good film at all. Not a good film. Um, yeah, any any of the other Avenger films, really. Um, stick with that. Yes. I yeah. I mean, um, look, let's be uh, honest. It's not Thor Dark World. I mean, it's not that bad, but it's pretty close. I don't know. I think it was the worst one. Do you? Okay. See, that's heavy stuff going from a man who loves Marvel as well, like you do. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. I really wanted to um, enjoy it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You will yourself. You're like, I want to enjoy this because they're doing something different. And then within about half an hour, you kind of go, I don't think I've got enough will in the world to find myself enjoying this. I would love to have seen, you know, in the cinemas where you see the shot of all the audience watching a film. Yeah. Just the grimaces and loads of Marvel fans' faces. Yeah. Fade into <laughs> disappointment. Yeah. About yeah. half an hour in. For just, just sort of <laughs> as they look over at each other and go, you know, no, that look really of, happening. I don't know, what, what are we watching? What are we watching now? What's, what's going on? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, so it's out there. Uh, it's out on DVD, and, um, Blu-ray, and Disney Plus. You know, it's all the places. You can't escape it. Basically, you can't escape it. Um, but maybe <laughs> you should try at your best. Yes, excellent, Mark. Uh, for our FM listeners, uh, there is one more film for us to talk about. Uh, can you give us a quick preview on the podcast? So we're going to talk about Encanto, uh, the Disney animation movie. Very exciting. Uh, and before we go. As it's Valentine's Day on Monday, have you got a couple of your favourite rom-coms that people might enjoy? Uh, the, I mean, the ultimate rom-com, without a question of a, a doubt, is When Harry Met Sally. No, oh, nothing yes. has ever bettered that movie, ever. Um, <laughs> so When Harry Met Sally, double bill that with Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Hot Fuzz. It's the ultimate romance movie as well. That Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Peace Lily. Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone's happy. It's the it, ultimate actually. romance movie. So, when Harry met Sally and Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Lovely, excellent, Mark. We'll see you on the podcast. We'll do with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's still film reviews and movie news. Mark Searby's still with me. What have we got on the DVDs? Well, let's talk about Encanto, which obviously um, was meant to be in cinemas last year and and sort of did pop up briefly, but it was Disney Plus as well. Like it hit Disney Plus very quickly. Um, now it's yeah, on DVD yeah. and Blu-ray. So this is the latest film from Walt Disney Animation. Um, it's about a young Colombian girl who has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. Um, oh, to be honest with one. you, I think she'd do very well based on the fact that if she was in Eternals, she'd want with, to be without powers. So, you know, don't <laughs> knock it really. Um, it's a good point. You know, so I think, and I'm going to, hmm, 
this is going to be interesting, this is, this movie for me is a sort of less is more affair. And what I mean by that is this isn't Frozen or The Princess and the Frog with their big productions and big musical numbers. I mean, this film does have some musical numbers uh, that are written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I noticed that there's three in the top five in the charts at the moment or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soundtrack's done really well. Um and, but it's interesting because apart from the opening and closing songs, these the rest of the songs are much reserved than I think many will probably be expecting. I mentioned Frozen because the film, to me, felt eerily similar to Frozen in the way that its story has its beats, basically, and how some mm. of the characters are played out. I'm not saying that you can compare the two directly, but there are some similarities behind the main facade, uh, so to speak. They have a formula, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, the, you know, look, let's be honest, that's Disney's formula anyway. I like the story idea that we have this one family member, uh, Mirabelle, who is different from the rest, and as such she feels like she is less of a person, uh, only to find out that actually she's just as good as the rest of her family, but in very different ways. You know, look, as we said, it's Disney hammering home a message. You, you, you've got <laughs> to expect oh, these yeah. things. There's no getting away from it because it is said or done or whatever else in uh, in about every 10 minutes of the movie. Okay. And more messages here than your average Yahoo inbox, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Mirabelle is a fun character. I think she's a bit kooky. She's a little bit ditzy. Yet I warm to her instantly because of that. You know, she's a very real person. And I think she would try to be everybody's best friend as well. She's just got that much of a delightful personality um, yeah. that I really enjoyed her. Um, nice. But here, see, now this is where I'm going to go against the grain because I know that this movie has been is finding a life of its own again now. But for me, I wasn't really wowed by it beyond Mirabelle. And that's a shame because it does, it, it to me, it felt like a Colombian version of Coco, which, by the way, I, you know, I love Coco. I think it's fantastic. But just this time it's done with magic instead of about death. But I think the film suffers because it the only time it really rises up is during some of the musical numbers but even then a lot of them i thought were a little bit flat um and almost some of them felt like secondary cast-offs from other musicals that's the weird thing i i i do think maybe at some points that it just doesn't have enough to keep you fully attentive all the way through it chugs along quite nicely but it, it i never felt like it fully exploded into life like i was expecting to you know it looks beautiful the colors are fantastic yeah. i will say that it's wonderfully animated um there is a good story here i do like mirabelle but i i just was kind of thinking okay when's it going to hit the peaks of, as I said, the Princess and the Frog, or Frozen, or you know, Coco, or something like that, and I never really felt it did. That's the thing. Um, I will say that you know, um, I like the fact that Disney are now addressing the need for more diverse voices and stories as well. That's great. That's fantastic. Absolutely needed. And I like the fact that it's transferring to other cultures as well and other countries. That's the thing. I just. I came away from this not liking it as much as I did with something like Coco or, or Frozen or you know or, or Princess and the Frog or any of those. You know, I, I kind of came away going, yeah. yeah, 
it was fine. You know, there was there was things that I didn't really <laughs> like, but it was fine. I think that's what it hit me. Whereas there were, I know there are millions of people out there who absolutely adore this movie, and I think great, fantastic. For me, it was okay. Yeah, I think it's trying to tread a line, isn't it? Really between um, like like the big frozen yes uh, shindig, and then it's almost a bit more accessible for people, I think, because of the sort of messages they hit. Yes. With, um, one of the sisters not being strong enough and yeah. the other one not being perfect enough and it's kind of feels more relatable than someone who's got frozen ice cream pouring out their hands yeah and know? also you know I mentioned Coco and the thing is obviously that's dealing with death and you know into into another world and whatever else so that's dealing with supernatural this isn't this is dealing with magic which you know while none of us have got magic um, it, it well, you're right you know, it does yeah. feel a little bit more relatable than something like that. But did you enjoy it? What what did you think? Because, you know, here's me said, yeah, it's okay, but you've seen it. No, I had a lot of fun, actually. I, I felt the songs were great. Okay. If I felt, as a couple of bits early on, maybe I wasn't focusing enough, um, but I felt like I kind of missed a bit. I, I kept missing, bit, the, the music moves so fast and the lyrics are coming at you so quickly that uh, if you're not focusing, you can miss a, a chunk. Mm. And then you you get a bit later on in the film, you think, hang on, what, what's happened here? Uh, uh, I had a little bit of that going on, uh, okay. but I, Maybe I'm not fast enough these days. Yeah, maybe it's just you and not the film is what you say. And, and that's you know it that's me be. as well. That's the thing. Maybe it's me and it's not the film. Um, I'm just not getting as many emotional beats from it as as maybe I should. I don't know. Um, but you know, as I said, but it's, I had fun. It's, I it was see, you clearly you like it more than me. I'm not saying I hated it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. But you liked it more than me, which is great. And you know, look, let's be honest. The fact that it's still going, it's got the frozen um, sort of trail, really, hasn't it? In that it did okay when it got released last year. And then all of a sudden, it's now found its proper life months after its official release. And that's what happened with Frozen. Because I remember going to see Frozen at a press screen and we all came out and went, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it, it did okay. Well, it, it did very well, but it didn't have, it didn't become the juggernaut that it became until six months, maybe a year later. And I think Encanto is is finding that as well, which obviously yeah. is great because it does mean that there is that long tail life to some of these movies that Disney are putting out, which is fantastic. You know, I wish Raya and the Last Dragon had that sort of long tail. Unfortunately, that was an immediate thing where people loved it and sadly it's sort of been forgotten about already. Um, but it's great that you've got these movies that are getting these big lives Finally, after six months or whatever else, you know, because they've found themselves on streaming or even in Blu-ray or whatever else. So there is something to say about how a movie maybe does okay on release, but then the audience picks it up later. You know, obviously cult classics do that, but not to the degree that Encanto does, where Encanto's, you know, it's turning into a juggernaut. Let's be honest here. That's what it's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's got its own following and the kids are going to find it for years to come yeah 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 it, w it wouldn't surprise me if at some point it suddenly becomes a double bill with frozen you know you watch frozen and you watch encanto because it it does feel like that oh yeah you probably have to start with encanto and then watch frozen yes otherwise it's got to get hot and then cold oh that's a good so point the winter first that's a good summer. point all... yeah, yeah yeah you've made a good point there <laughs> amazing so uh it didn't work its magic on you necessarily not as much not as much but it did on you obviously yeah, exactly i'm under the spell yes lovely Excellent. <laughs>
Mark, uh, what you got for us next week? Uh, so next week, we're going to talk about a documentary called The Real Charlie Chaplin. That's right. It's all about the infamous uh, comedian, but also, you know, delving behind who he was on, on the screen as well. We're going to talk Excellent. about uh, Wes Anderson's latest movie, The French Dispatch, which is hitting uh, Disney+. Plus. And then also we're going to talk about what has been deemed the first ever found footage movie. It's a film called The McPherson Tape and it is finally getting an official release here. Uh, it was made in the early 1980s and it's classed as the first ever found footage. Lots of history to that movie, mm-hmm. so we will talk about that next next week with the history of it. Excellent. Look forward to that. I'll get me uh, my tapes out. Get your VHS tapes out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to remove all the um, potpourri from it. And, uh, <laughs> there's a story there. <laughs> Excellent, Mark. Have a lovely time. Enjoy Valentine's Day, and um, I'll see you when you're all loved up next week. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Cupid's <laughs> arrow may have hit me; it may not. But uh, yes, I'll see you next week. Well, I just rebounded off. <laughs> <laughs> Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this podcast for years now. We've watched hundreds of films and some of them are actually quite good. For even more reviews or to get next week's Film Reviews and Movie News delivered directly to your device, pop along to stuartpink.com forward slash reviews. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film Reviews and movie